0: Okay, so what would you rather have? One person telling the story about how they met the love of their life, or the couple telling the story together? Any preference? The couple, <laughs> the couple together, right? Yeah, it depends on how long each one is. Yeah, right. So the couple together, you generally are going to get more information, perhaps more insight into what each person is experiencing. But honestly, the real fun is that most couples don't actually agree on the details of what happened in these particular, like, significant moments of their lives, right? So like, um, if I'm telling a story, for example, there's a good chance that my wife will say, you didn't say that, or that's not exactly how it happened. And if she's telling the story, I'll likely interrupt her to say, after almost 20 years of marriage, really? I didn't know that. And she'll say, yes, you did. I've told you so, so many times, right? So usually there's more life, there's more color, there's more energy in stories told by two different people or more from various different perspectives. But what if the story we're telling is a part of our faith tradition? And what if, after hundreds or even thousands of years, more and more people are asking, but did it really happen? If it's historically accurate, if the story you're telling me is true in that way, then I'll believe, but if not, then I I won't believe. So do you still want two or more perspectives from people arguing and telling different stories? Or do you want the story told clearly and confidently by one person? Well, I guess if it has to be perfectly consistent to be true, then I guess one person. But that, honestly, come on, that's not nearly as interesting or nearly as fun. So fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on your perspective, the Bible isn't a singular story told by one person. This isn't actually very controversial. Instead, the Bible is a collection of stories told by many different people, many different communities over a long period of time. And there is, this is maybe a little bit more controversial, there's a lot of contradictions and a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different opinions and arguments that you find throughout the Bible. So if we want, it's actually not very difficult to find errors or things that don't seem to make sense. But what if the Bible included the different stories and the contradictions and the errors on purpose? Can you imagine? What if the biblical writers and communities said, we actually prefer the couple arguing about what really happened? Like that's much more interesting, much more meaningful. Because one perspective isn't enough and one story isn't enough enough to capture the human experience or to capture our understanding or experience of faith. So case in point, we've been reading through 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're introduced to the main character, David, who plays music for King Saul to lift his spirits when he is down and he's struggling with some mental health issues. And in chapter 16, verse 21, we are told that Saul loved David. David greatly, not just like regularly, (laughs) greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Saul sent word to Jesse, David's father, saying, let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. Great. Good first story about David. But then in chapter 17, we find David, not with Saul, but back home with his family tending sheep. David is then sent to the battle where he eventually fights the giant Goliath. You remember that story. But after killing Goliath, or while he's fighting Goliath, Saul, again, the one who loves David greatly, asks the commander of his army, whose son is this young man? And the commander said, as your soul lives, O king, I have no idea. Wait, wait. But according to the last chapter, David is already in his service. Uh, Saul loves David greatly, and Saul has asked his father for him to stay. But now he doesn't know who he is, or or who his father is, or, or where he comes from. So either the Bible is a bunch of rubbish, or the biblical community said, we have these two stories. We have these two two traditions about David meeting Saul. And obviously, two different perspectives are better than one. I mean, we actually find this in the gospel stories. We have four different perspectives in the gospels. In fact, not only are we going to keep both traditions, but we're going to put them side by side just to make sure that you notice that they're there and that they're a little bit different. And we're going to keep the contradictions, because of course we would. Why would we not want to keep those different perspectives? The biblical writers might have thought, I know that this will freak people out like 2,000 years from now or more. I know that it will be difficult for a lot of people in a yet-to-be-formed country called the United States of America on the other side of the world. But Maybe those people should see a therapist about their need to have their one perspective be the only right perspective or the only right way. I'm sure they thought that, right? Like, are you, are you following me? The Bible is perhaps the greatest... We, we often say that it's the greatest story ever, ever told, as if it's one singular story. But, but I would say that the Bible is perhaps the greatest conversation that we've ever had the greatest conversation that throughout history we've all been invited to participate in the more we can see life and faith from different perspectives the more it's filled with color and energy and meaning and growth and all kinds of good things as difficult as it might be so this brings us today to first samuel chapter 18 So now, when David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan, Saul's adult son, was bound to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as he loved himself. Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house again, or, or maybe for, for, the, for the third time. Then David made a covenant with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so the most common theological perspective on this passage is that David and Jonathan become really really good friends like immediately close friends more than more like brothers so that's that's one perspective on the story but these days we have more and more people looking at the bible from different angles and different experiences and perspectives so we have things like liberation theology which originated among the poor in south america we have black theology, we have feminist theology, we have womanist theology, which is theology done by women of color, and we have queer theology, among many other theologies and and perspectives. So you might be wondering, what about white guy theology? Well, good question. We call that theology, right? (laughs) Because for hundreds of years, the practice of studying faith and God and the Bible in the West, at least, has been done by white men who, by and large, thought the study that studying the Bible meant finding the one right perspective, which magically tended to be our perspective. Can you imagine? So, theologies that are labeled a specific thing, something more than just theology are typically coming from groups of people who have been historically excluded or ignored in this conversation about God and faith in the Bible. Are you with me? It's sort of like why we call marriage between same-sex couples gay marriage and opposite-sex couples marriage, right? Instead of straight marriage or hetero marriage. Because as we know, they have not been treated equally. All voices have not been included in that conversation. Gay marriage was separated out so that one understanding of marriage, straight marriage, could be the only understanding of marriage. As as a result of that, advocates for marriage equality also talk about gay marriage because it's needed focused attention and support. So... Yeah, are you still with me? Okay, great. So hopefully there will be a day when our definitions of marriage and of theology and any number of things will have equal space in them for our different voices and our different experiences. That would be great. But until then, we still have to intentionally highlight and lift up voices that have been ignored. So, Let's try again this whole David and Jonathan story, this time from the perspective of queer theology, also known as theology. (laughs) So, 1 Samuel chapter 18 is a story of love at first sight. Jonathan and David are immediately attracted to each other to the point that their souls are bound together, which in the Bible is marriage language. They make a covenant commitment to each other as you do in marriage. And the love that Jonathan has for David is a Hebrew word that is used to talk about romantic love. So, you have all of that. And it's not just queer theologians who have noticed this. Other theologians have noticed this as well. So you have all of that, and then in verse 4, Jonathan takes off his robe and his tunic and his belt and his weapons, and what else is there for him to take off, right? Like the robe is a robe. His tunic is basically an undergarment. So it seems that Jonathan's demonstration of love leaves him standing there with David in only his socks, right? Like, how, how, I mean, amazing, right? Like, as we read this story. And later on, David will actually say about Jonathan that his love is better than that of a woman. All right. So now, both Jonathan and David will go on to have other romantic relationships, primarily with women, in various different stories, which is why we might say that it's Jonathan and David who put the buy in Bible, right? <laughs> that's, that's pretty good, right? I, 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 have to, I have to give credit to um, our youth and missions director Jen, uh, who that, the first time I ever heard putting the buy in Bible was from her, and then when I read this story, I was like, "Well, obviously, right? Now, do we know for certain that David and Jonathan had an intimate romantic relationship? No. We we don't know for certain. We don't know a lot for certain about the stories that have have been told. Maybe they were just really good friends. Or maybe their covenant was more of a political agreement that they made with one another. But the hints are there very explicitly. The hints are there... um, that their relationship was something more, which leaves the story open to more than one perspective. Again, this seems to be an intentional choice on the part of biblical writers and the communities of storytellers that put our Bible together. More often than not, they wanted different perspectives to look at these stories from different angles and different experiences, leaving us to say, wow, I don't know. I mean, I see it this way, but how do you see it? And then as we gather together in communities like this, we talk about it, and, and we perhaps find examples of our own different experiences in life here in the text and in God's character. So, by hearing the perspective of queer theologians, also known as theologians, We get the opportunity to understand our faith from a place of greater awareness, of greater diversity and greater inclusivity. And you might remember, as we've been telling the story of David and Saul, that this is explicitly what the Bible is trying to do with the selection of David in the first place. David was the youngest son of Jesse. He was initially excluded from the selection process for king. David is the one who didn't matter. David is the one who was ignored and left out of the family in that first story. But David is the one whom God seeks out and welcomes in. The story of David is all about God welcoming in those who have been pushed to the edges of society and ignored. So, I don't know about you, but faith and life are far more interesting and far more meaningful when there's more than just my one perspective. I don't know. How do you see it? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for welcoming all of us into your care and into this great conversation. Open us up to one another and to, the, to many others the many other ways of of seeing our world and seeing one another so that we might gain a greater understanding of your wide and inclusive love. Amen.